Well, good morning. My name is Charles Godwin. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to welcome you to Central Presbyterian Church, where we seek transformation through renewal in Christ, in Christ alone, who is committed to changing our lives, our community, and the world, and therefore so are we. We're continuing our study this morning of Hebrews chapter 11. This is a chapter that is known as the Hall of Faith, containing snapshots of the faith of several men and women of the Old Testament. And each week we are unpacking a little more about the biblical truth of faith and how it manifests itself in our lives and in the lives of others. We've seen faith is a gift of God. It's not something we can conjure up like, just got to have a little more faith. It just doesn't work like that. It's more than just a positive outlook. As a gift from God, it's not something we earn or can earn. It's active. It's living. We grow in it. We heard several weeks ago, it's made for walking. It obeys God. It's not just hope or wishful thinking, and it's not a blind faith. I heard one pastor say this about faith. Faith is that instrument by which we receive the gift of salvation. It receives God's grace. It never obligates God to do something. Another defined it this way. Faith is like our windshield. We look through it, at what's important. It helps us see the one on whom we are to depend. You see, biblical faith has an object, and that object is God, who is faithful and keeps his promises. And that's really what these snapshots are for. They're not mainly to exalt these men and women of God as much as they are to exalt and show us our faithful God. And so we'll continue to see God's faithfulness as we look at the life of Abraham today. Let me pray for us, and then we'll read the Scriptures. Holy Spirit, we pray for soft hearts this morning. Help us not to harden our hearts, and help us to see Jesus. And we pray in His name. Amen. So our text today is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 19. Not all of it's in your bulletin this morning. I'm going to start by reading verses 1 and 2, and then I will read verses 8 through 19. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it to Hebrews chapter 11. If you're using the Pew Bible, you can find it on page 1007 and 1008. Hear God's Word. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. Then verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. 
Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Thus far God's word, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If you talk with endurance athletes, whether it's a long-distance runner, a swimmer, a biker, or a skier, you will hear a similar mantra, and it's this. Forgetting to pace yourself is one of the biggest threats to success in a long-distance race. Similarly, I heard a teacher ask the question, what do you think is the greatest threat to our faith? It's not the culture out there, he says. It's not the agenda of a certain people group with whom you disagree. It's not the influence of a wrong group of people. The greatest threat to our faith is forgetting what God has told us in His Word. It is important for us to remember, to look to our faithful God and His promises in His Word. There is so much that competes for our attention and focus as we live our lives of faith with our sin and brokenness in a sinful, broken world. That was the struggle of the Hebrews to whom this letter is written. You see, Hebrews is a pastoral letter, and it's written by the author to his flock, his people, whom he led and loved. The Hebrews to whom this letter is written, they're struggling with some significant trials and temptations, and they're being tempted to look away from Jesus and His grace to other things as resources for strength and their very identity. The passage today directs the Hebrews and us back to God, our only true resource for confidence and hope as we live our lives of faith. Our God is faithful And He keeps His promises. And because of that, we can live obedient lives of faith as well. And that's what we're going to see in the story of Abraham. His was not a perfect faith. As we look at his story from Genesis 12 through 25, we see plenty of lapses in his faith. He lied to protect himself, saying Sarah was his sister. He was impatient for this heir God had promised, so he took matters into his own hands and had a child with Hagar. He laughed at God when God told him that he and Sarah would have a child in their old age. Abraham's was not a perfect faith, and neither is ours. But our faith is not built on our perfect record. It is built on God and his faithfulness to unfaithful people like you and me.
I heard someone say this about Hebrews 11, quote, Here we are reading the record of God's faithfulness in fulfilling the promise of the gospel. God keeps His promises. And because He is faithful, we can live faithfully too. Just as Abraham looked to his, our faithful God and His promises, we too live lives of faith, standing on the promises of our faithful God. So we're going to examine three looks of faith today in the life of Abraham to encourage and strengthen us in our faith. First, a looking back, remembering God's faithfulness and promises. Second, a looking forward at God's promises. And lastly, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So this first look, a looking back, remembering God's faithfulness and promises. In verse 8, we see by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called. Abraham was living in the land of Ur. And it was a land that primarily the people that lived there worshipped a moon god. And most scholars agree that as a citizen of Ur, Abraham likely was a part of the conventional social and religious structure of this society. And God spoke to him, which we read of in Genesis 12, telling him to take his family and go to a land that he will show him. And he will make of him a great nation and bless him so that he will be a blessing. And so trusting his God, who he now believes, really exists because God speaks to him. Abraham set out to go to the land of Canaan. And we read in Genesis of his journeys from land to land. God called Abraham. He spoke to him and it changed the trajectory of his life. Much like that we see it did for Noah last week, right? But also the Bible describes this same kind of God speaking to the Apostle Paul, an enemy of God and his people. God spoke to him, called him, and it was an about face, and he became a disciple. And as Abraham sojourned in his faithful obedience, he always has that call of God. God speaking to him to look back on to remember God's promise as he journeys. Verse 9 references that promise of God. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 11, another reference to his faithful God and his promise. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him being God faithful who had promised. The language of verse 12 actually uses the language of the promise God made to Abraham in Genesis 22 and then to Isaac in Genesis 26 where God says, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and the sand that is on the seashore. And then verses 17 and following reference Abraham's looking to that promise, remembering God's faithfulness, even when he was told to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. Isaac, his offspring, his descendant through whom God promises to bless the world. Listen to God's word by faith. Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be 
named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham looked back. He remembered his faithful God who keeps his promises, and it enlivened his faith and obedience. With the passing days, good ones and bad ones, as he looked to his faithful God who keeps his promises, Abraham grew in his faith and he became more confident in God's faithfulness. Philo of Alexandria wrote this, quote, Abraham considered things not present already present by reason of the sure steadfastness of him that promised them. Now, this can be an encouragement to us in several ways. One, think about the call of God in our own lives. Sinful and broken as we are, unable to save ourselves, to commend ourselves to God, God calls us. The Catechism actually says this, the Spirit convinces us of our sin and misery. It enlightens our minds in the knowledge of Christ and renews our wills. Thus, he persuades and enables us to embrace Jesus Christ, freely offered to us in the gospel as our only hope. So we have that work of God changing our hard heart to a soft one that trusts him to look back on, to remember. Hymn writer Jean Ingelow beautifully captures this look in her words. I love these. I sought the Lord, she writes. And afterward, I knew, he moved my soul to seek him seeking me. It was not I that found, O Savior, true. No, I was found of thee. Thou didst reach forth thy hand and mine enfold. I walked and sank not on the storm-vexed sea. T'was not so much that I on thee took hold as thou, dear Lord, on me. I find I walk I love, but oh, the whole of love is but my answer, Lord, to thee. For thou were long beforehand with my soul. Always thou lovedst me. Do you know this call of God in your own life? Do you understand that you are a sinner living in a sinful, broken world in the need of God's grace? We cannot fix this problem And Jesus came to this earth as both God and man and fixed it for us by his perfect life, death, burial, and resurrection. Do you believe this about yourself and this world? If not, today can be the day. The Bible exhorts us to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we will be saved. So if that's something you're considering today, please come talk to me. Come talk to Pastor Ben, to another one of our pastors. We would love to talk with you about your relationship with God and pray with and for you. Now, another encouragement with this looking back, remembering God's promise is this. God is faithful to his word. Abraham knew God's voice and his promises, and he trusted him. Now, God doesn't speak to us audibly, normally, in the same way he did to Abraham but he does speak to us primarily through his word, the scriptures, which tell us both the truth about us and our world. They tell us about his promises to redeem us and this world. And we can remember through God's word, our faithful God 
and what his word tells us of him and his ways and walk by faith in obedience. A friend of mine makes this point saying, quote, there's lots of voices that vie for our attention. What helps us make sense of life and this world? God's word, which not only is powerful enough to create the world, but to recreate it and resurrect those fallen into death. Isn't that beautiful? That's one look of faith, looking back, remembering God's faithfulness and promises. But there's another look we see in our text today, and it's looking forward at God's promises to redeem, to restore us and this broken world to life. In verses 13 and following, we see Abraham and his descendants after him. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them, greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. He could have gone back to Ur, but he didn't. As it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Abraham looked forward to God's promises to restore sinful, broken people, places, and things to life through his descendants, not because he deserved such restoration, not because we do, but because God is faithful to his promises and he delights to show love and mercy. The prophet Isaiah predicts this redemption. He writes, Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. We see unfold in the scriptures the fulfillment of God's promise of redemption in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Paul writes to the Corinthians, quote, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, for by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. For those trusting in Christ, his resurrection guarantees our resurrection. We are still waiting for the full restoration of our sinful, broken bodies and world. But we believe that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is already working. This power, it assures us today of God's love and forgiveness. This power, it gives us comfort in the midst of sin and brokenness as we await the full restoration of us in this world that John so wonderfully describes in Revelation 21, where he will dwell with us and we will be his people and he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more. Neither will there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This power also enables us and moves us to love others, to push back against the darkness in our lives and in our world in Jesus' name, in word, deed, and presence as we all wait for renewal. He comes, we sing this, to make his blessings flow. How far? Far 
as the curse is found. God is committed to redeem and restore us in this broken world to life. When Pam and I lived in Georgia, we went to this event called a charrette. And it was a presentation of these beautiful drawings of this live, work, play development that possibly would include a new building for the school where Pam served, as well as a church, which I pastored. The drawings, they were beautiful, and they gave us this picture of what the development would look like being built today. And you know what? It changed the way I looked at that land every time I drove by it. It created hope, and it created excitement for what was to come. I heard a pastor say this, our faith has a future component to it. By faith, we see a future beyond now. It doesn't mean we deny the hard realities of today, but they are not ultimate. Faith looks beyond death and sees it for what it is, not the final word. Abraham looked forward to God's promises to restore sinful, broken people, places, and things to life through his lineage. And it helped him in his sojourn, his temporary home. And that promise of redemption helps us too as we live our lives of faith sojourning like Abraham. One scholar asked the question, and I think it's important for us to ask today, what future are we building our lives around? Is it the future we desire or the future God gives? Our confidence is not rooted in the realization of what we can earn, produce, buy, master, lose, or acquire. It's not about our wealth or our wellness strategies. It's about what has already begun for us in Christ. The sure deposit of what God is bringing in the future. A new, unbroken, redeemed people and world. Abraham believed God who had proven himself faithful even though he never saw the fulfillment He knew that he in this world needed redeeming and he trusted in God as his redeemer who through resurrection would bring the dead to life just as he figuratively saw God do when he had Isaac on that altar. While Abraham never saw the fulfillment, we do in Jesus Christ. And that is our final and really most important look of faith. And we see this look of faith in Hebrews chapter 12. Right after this hall of faith, the beginning verses of Hebrews 12, part of which we heard quoted in the assurance of pardon this morning, where after recounting these snapshots of faith, telling us all these stories of this people, the writer exhorts the Hebrews and us, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted." Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We said this already, Abraham's was not a perfect faith, and neither is ours. But our faith is not built on our perfect record. It is built on God and His faithfulness to unfaithful people like you and me. But you know who had a perfect record? 
who perfectly believed and obeyed God for us and our redemption? Jesus Christ. The author here reminds us that Christ is our only true resource for strength as we run the race set before us. Our faith begins and carries on in Christ. He doesn't just call us and start us on this journey of faith. He's committed to bringing it to completion when we and this world will be made new. The writer encourages this look of faith by using two commands. Fix our eyes on Jesus and to consider Him. Now this word consider, it's a stronger word than it may seem on the surface. When translated, it means attention and continuous observation and regard. It is an act of the will that we who are in Christ can do by the power of the Spirit. Not perfectly, but we can and must consider Jesus as we live our lives of faith. I was talking with a friend about this, and he said, God has the long view, complete restoration. But our view oftentimes is really short. The author is urging us to look to Jesus, to consider and continuing to consider Him so that we have His long view as we live our lives. I read this week a quote by John Owen. He writes, quote, A constant view of the glory of Christ will revive our souls and cause our spiritual lives to flourish and thrive. History document soldiers in battle. And that's kind of what we are. We know the outcome. But soldiers were given a boost of courage and confidence and hope by seeing their commanders on the battlefield. I read that, quote, Napoleon used to have his generals come into his tent and look into his eyes before they went on to lead the troops into battle. Look to Jesus, our great conqueror. Robert Capon says Christ comes to us in the brokenness of our health, in the shipwreck of our family lives, in the loss of all peace of mind, in the very thick of our sins. He saves us in our disasters, not from them. He emphatically does not promise to meet only the odd winner of the self-improvement lottery. He meets us all in our endless and inescapable losing. The tangible and sacrificial love of our older brother, Jesus, is the foundation for our confidence and hope in living. Look to Him. Continue to consider Him. Now, how do we do that? How do we fix our eyes on Jesus? How do we consider Him? We're doing it this morning. Worship, the Word, singing, prayer, the sacrament, where we are able to see and taste of His mercy. Fellowship. And that's so important, but it's not just available to us on Sunday. These are opportunities to know Him, many of which are available to us to help us focus on Him day by day. And so I want to encourage us often to avail ourselves of these opportunities. God doesn't love us more when we do, but they are good for us. And they keep us focused on Him as our resource to run life's race and to protect us from growing weary or faint-hearted. John Calvin says, Christ extends his hand to us and supplies us with strength and energy. In short, he prepares and fits us to enter on our course and by his power leads us on to the end of the race, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. This is a most 
important look of faith for us. Many of you know I grew up in the Mississippi Delta. I grew up in a farm town, a small town. Farming was the predominant industry there. And for a while, my sister, my older sister, worked for a grain company. And it stored and sold grain for farmers. Now, I don't know if you know this, but grain is typically stored in silos or more modernly even in grain elevators. And in the grain elevator, there is this auger that runs down the middle of the elevator. And as it turns, it actually pulls the grain down through the middle of the pile. And then the grain goes up through the chute and is loaded onto trucks. I heard a story about a man who worked at a grain company. The auger stopped working in one of the elevators, so he and a few workers went to the top of the elevator to investigate the problem. The man climbed down this ladder on the side of the elevator into the grain to check the auger. He found it jammed, so he repaired the problem, but the power to the auger ended up being restored before the man climbed the ladder to safety. As the auger began to turn, the man felt himself being pulled further down into the grain. Fear gripped him, and he began to try to swim to the top just to keep his head above the grain. He looked around. He tried to get to the ladder to no avail. He was so panicked by the swirl around him and the noise of the grain elevator that he initially failed to look up and see the safety rope that was being thrown to him by his co-workers. We come to this text today and we get the sense that there is a swirl and noise of life, persecutions, trials, temptations, sin and brokenness, and they're pushing in on these Hebrew brothers and sisters who have put their faith and trust in Christ. But these things are pushing in on them in such a way that they are forgetting Jesus. And they're tempted to go back to former ways, thinking about life, believing, to put their hope in seeing people and things of this world. And in their unbelief, there is a danger of hardening their hearts. And we're not all that different than the people in Hebrews. We too get caught up in the swirl and noise of life, don't we? We may not experience great persecution, but in the midst of our sin and brokenness and the sin and brokenness around us, when trials and temptations come, we too forget Jesus. We try to figure out life on our own. We design our own self-protective formulas for living. We place primary trust in people, places, and things to help us through our lives. But what happens when those things fail us? And they will, and they do. Our confidence and hope easily wavers. We lose sight of Jesus. We take our eyes off of him who is God himself and lived, died, and was buried and raised from the dead to restore broken people, places, and things to life. Brian Chappell said this. He said, quote, If we cannot lift our eyes from an earthly perspective to Jesus, then we will so focus on our weaknesses and stumbles, sin and brokenness, that the race to please God will be miserable. It is to people like the Hebrews and us that the author writes this letter and reminds us of these three looks of faith in the life of Abraham to encourage and strengthen us in our faith. Looking back, remembering God's faithfulness and promises, looking forward at God's promises, and looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Friends, God keeps his promises. And because he's faithful, we can live faithfully too. 
Just as Abraham looked to his, our faithful God and his promises, we too live our lives of faith standing on the promises of our faithful God. We're going to sing these words in just a moment, but they almost perfectly tell us the story of what we've just studied. By faith, our fathers roamed the earth with the power of his promise in their hearts of a holy city built by God's own hand, a place where peace and justice reign. So we will stand as children of the promise. We will fix our eyes on him, our soul's reward till the race is finished and the work is done. We'll walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we pray for this grace. Help us to walk by faith and not by sight. Help us to remember your faithful promises and to stand on them. Help us to consider and continue to consider Jesus as we live our lives of faith. Thank you for this word to us today. Thank you that in just a moment we'll be able to come to a sacrament that you have left for us to strengthen our faith, to remind us of your faithfulness. We bless you and thank you for your love in Jesus' name. Amen.